So we're going to get started here with some time in God's Word right from the very beginning. I'm excited about being here. Uh, like Nicole said, my name is Sharon. I met many of you when we were coming in. Some of us were playing that game where we were asking questions, and I kept answering yes. And and then I was hoping you were going to answer yes too. So if I didn't get to meet you yet, I'm looking forward to doing that. But speaking about that game, this card, not sure how many of you actually participated in it, but why don't we do this? If you got at least 10 tally marks on the back, hey Stephanie, I didn't see you coming. Um, if you got at least 10 tally marks on the back, go ahead and stand up. Mark, stay standing. All right. So I think I just have two left standing. All right. If you had 18 tally marks, keep standing. Do you still have 18, Joanne? Yep. You too, Lori? If you had 22 tally marks, keep standing. Ooh, Joanne, you're the winner. Yay. You're the winner. Woo. Joanne's here. I met her teaching Pilates, and so so glad she. But then I realized I know her son, and I know her daughter-in-law, and her grandkids, and all that. So anyway, we're glad that Joanne's here. So you're the winner. So later tonight, when we have dinner, you and everybody who will be seated at your table gets to go first. You won. You won. All right. So let's everybody do this. Let's everybody take a really deep breath. Breathe in. And then just let it out. Do that a couple times. You know, it takes a lot to get here, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, man, I could tell you some stories even from our end. But I know there's probably a lot of stories in the room of getting here just to hear. But we're so glad that you're here. And hopefully you're glad you're here and you're going to find that it's worth it, right? So good to be in this house together. And we have been praying, we've been planning for all of us to be here for months. And you know, because we've been writing you emails and telling you all, all about that. But we've been looking forward to gathering in this house. And speaking of house, it's pretty an amazing place, right? Um, really amazing space that God has given us this weekend. And we're excited to get to host FBG here um, this year. Now, for those of you who attended last year, you know we were over there in that house, right? And from what we could tell over there in that house, the things that were going on in this house, they were pretty crazy. So we weren't really sure what was going on over here, but I don't think it was anything the Lord was really smiling a whole lot about. But how many of you know this house is about to get sanctified this weekend, right? It's going to get redeemed because God's here, and I know he's going to be doing his thing in this house. So we're really, really excited about that. And I just want to pray as we get started. God, we're so glad to all be here together in this house and just looking around and seeing so many faces that are precious to my heart ones that um, i've built deep friendships with and some that i'm just meeting for the first time too god and i know it's a lot for all of us to take in lord i pray as we breathe in deep that we're breathing in your spirit lord we know that you're here that you live within us who know christ lord we know that you're here because you're dwelling in this midst. We've invited you here. And God, we just want to give you free reign to just speak to us all weekend, Lord, to minister to us. We want you to know we need you, God. 
and we're so expectant for what you have in store for us. So God, please teach us. Please um, love on us this weekend. Please inspire us. Please refresh us. Please meet each of us right where we're at, Lord. Our, our eyes are looking to heaven for all that you have for us at Fall Bible Getaway 2022. Thank you, Jesus, for this awesome privilege to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So as we're getting started, let me ask, how many of you are here for the very first time? Raise your hand really, really high. That's awesome. Can we just give it up for the first time? have been here you know some just a couple times there's three of us in the room who have been here all nine years and we keep coming back so hopefully that tells you that this is really special there was one year where I had looked at Nicole and I said I'm not ever doing this anymore <laughs> this is a lot of work but we weren't even over the bridge on the way home and God had already spoken about the next year and we did have it it was the year on hope and it was probably my, one of my favorite years that we've ever had that was year number five this is year number nine and so if you've been a part at all you know that there are some really special things that are gonna happen every year we come and we're expectant and we're like how could God do anything more or do things different and every year he does and he just blows our mind this is Linda is right here we met her on the beach last year yeah. amazing story for those of you who were not here there was a girl here named Chrissy and she was getting baptized out in the ocean we went out to baptize her and before we went out to baptize her she said my prayer would be that somebody on this beach would see me getting baptized and want to get baptized and I thought I don't really think that's going to happen. And I kind of started trying to talk her down. And the other girl who was going to baptize her with me, we both kind of started doing that. And lo and behold, God had a different plan. And Linda ended up meeting Nicole. And we baptized her that day, too. She spent the evening with us. And now she's back this year. And so it's just been so cool to just see all the different ways that God works. We just, we, we just love it. So we know that God has some really special things this year, too. We don't know what they are. But we know that he does have them. And why is that not moving all right there we go all right so that's never happened to me before you like swipe the thing and it's all black and I'm like oh this is not good this would not be a good day but God's good he, he just gave it to me all right I want you to know I am so thankful personally to get to lead you in God's Word it is the joy of my heart truly I, I don't say that just because I have a microphone in my hand it is a joy in my heart to teach the Word of God. And so I look forward to this time um, every year. And as I've been pondering and just praying over what God has for us this weekend, I know He has so much because He's just been pouring out a lot on me. And FBG, I want you to know this too, is a part of a ministry called Established Footsteps. And I know a lot of you know that already, but some of you are just getting acquainted with us. So I always like to introduce the ministry too and uh, make sure that you're aware of what, what we're about. So um, Established Footsteps was started about 16 years ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but it has been. And our goal, we have one goal, and that is to come alongside people and to cheer them on to love the Word of God, to just have a desire in their hearts, to be in their Bibles, to know what the Bible says, to live what the Bible says, to walk in that every day and literally establish their footsteps in it and so fall bible getaway is about all of that 
and it's a retreat centered on his word. So I hope that you brought your Bible with you this weekend. If you don't have it with you during this session, that's fine. You'll want to get it and bring it up when we have the other gathering times for the weekend. We do a lot of things in Established Footsteps, and you can find more about that on our website or the other online presences that we have. But I always tell people at this retreat that Fall Bible Getaway is my favorite things of all the things that we do. And, and I want to tell you a few reasons why. Um, I love gathering women together. I, I love girlfriend time, you know, and I love doing that in a beautiful house. And here we are, right? Um, I love making new friends. Every year I make some new friends. I love seeing people make rich friendships. We get to do that. I love the beach and like we're just looking at it, right? It's just so beautiful. I love amazing food that I don't have to fix and we get to eat all of that and rich conversations. We, we do a lot to try to really promote rich conversations and so we have a lot of that. I love to laugh. I love to have fun and deep experiences, all those things together. So those are some of the reasons why this weekend is my favorite, but really those reasons pale in comparison to the most important reason, and it is that I love to see women seeking God in his word. And I love seeing God respond to women seeking God in his word. He responds with his love, and he responds with his truth and his presence, and it's life-changing. And every year we get to see women walk out of the door having been ministered to and touched and changed. And they're a year later still talking about the fruit that God bore in their life. And there's just something that like joy just all over me for that. So that's why I love this weekend. I know he's going to do it this weekend too. I know that he is. I know he's going to teach us. He's going to renew us. He's going to love on us. He's going to refresh us, inspire us, and so much more. I've experienced this retreat enough to know that he's going to show off this weekend. How many of us want to see God show off this weekend? We all do. And my greatest hope for this weekend specifically, and it's been my most repeated prayer as I've prayed a lot in our team. Um, I, I would say this year our team has prayed over this retreat more than we ever have. Every one of you have been prayed over by name. You had your own day of prayer where we just covered you in prayer. And we have prayed so much. But my most repeated prayer personally has been that as God does all of those things, that this resounding yes is just going to start welling up from deep inside of us. And it's a yes to living in the kingdom of God each and every day. And you've probably already picked up on it from the things that you're seeing around the house and your folders and all of that. But that's our theme this weekend. Yes. Saying yes to kingdom living. So if you do have your Bible with you right now, I want to invite you to open it up to Matthew chapter 5. You know that's where we're going to be. This is the first year we've ever shared the scripture ahead of time. Hopefully you got to copy that scripture and start memorizing or even complete memorizing your passage. And in your folder, you're going to find on the left-hand side, there is a copy of Matthew 5 and 7. We, we sent this to you. And the reason we wanted to give this to you is because I really tend to center in on certain words. And so I wanted you to have the exact same um, version that I was teaching from. So you might want to have that handy. But then also... We provide a note sheet for you for every one of our gathering sessions. And the one for this session looks like this. It's got the blue at the top. It says introduction right there. So if you want to get those things out and, you know, all of those are just suggestions. We all do things differently, right, as far as taking in um, information and listening and all of that. So you've got those things with you. 
But Matthew 5 through 7, like I mentioned, it makes up what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? So Jesus was just getting started in his ministry when this moment came where multitudes of people had just gathered around him and he went up on the mountain and he started to speak and he just poured out truth on all the people. And what he shared has become known as the Sermon on the Mount. And if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, you've probably read this, probably heard parts and pieces of it, and maybe didn't even realize that until you started copying. You're like, oh, I know that. Oh, that's the Lord's Prayer. Like, you, you saw all these things. So some people say it's the greatest sermon ever preached. I, I believe it is. One time years ago when my husband was um, early in ministry and every now and then, like maybe two times a year, he'd get the opportunity to preach in our church. He was a youth pastor and he had been working on memorizing the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he can be really confident. If you know him, you know that he can exude that confidence. And he got up and he said to the church, and I just shrunk in my seat. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. But he said, tonight I'm going to preach to you the greatest sermon ever preached. And I'm and he literally quoted the whole Sermon on the Mount. And it's because it is the greatest sermon ever preached. So we're going to get started. We're going to get started tonight. Stacy is going to get us out of the gate here. And she is going to share the first two verses from Matthew 5. And when he saw the multitudes, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And opening his mouth... See, when we landed this moment, Jesus has been on the earth for 30 years, but his ministry is just getting started. In fact, at this point, just so you know, he's only called four of his disciples. So we know he had 12. At this point, he had only called four of them. And he's just started traveling about and teaching and doing miracles. And because of that, multitudes of people were starting to follow him. In fact, if you look back at Matthew chapter 4, the very last verse, you're going to find that it says, and great multitudes followed him. And then it says all these different places where the multitudes came from. So right from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, people were being very attentive to him. And right from the beginning of our weekend, that's how we want to be, ladies. We want to be attentive to Jesus. So we're going to start our time together right here in these verses that might just seem like introductory and we need to get to the real stuff, but I really believe this is the real stuff. And it's very important for us to start there with being attentive to Jesus. See, chapter five begins by telling us how Jesus responded to all this attention that he was getting from the multitudes. But it also tells us how some of the people in those multitudes responded to him. Look at those verses with me again. They begin with, and when he saw the multitudes. Now certainly when he looked at the people, he saw them as a big group, right? I mean, we don't know how many people. It could have been thousands. I don't know. But it was a large group of people. But because he's Jesus, and we know that Jesus is God, we know that as he looked out across, he saw every individual in those multitudes. See, within those multitudes, there were individual people, individuals who had great things going on in their lives. They had needs. They had brokenness. They had dreams. They had disappointments. All those things. 
So Jesus not only saw them as this really big group of people, but because he's God, he could also look into the crowd and see every person as an individual because he knew everything about them. In fact, the Bible tells us that he knows how many hairs we have on our head, right? Which for me is always changing because my hair is falling out like crazy, right? And I'm like, you gotta be really smart to keep up with that, right? And I don't know if anybody else is like that, but that is just time of life, I guess, or whatever, but hair falling out. So if he knows those kind of details, don't you know? that he can look into our lives and he knows all the stuff and he knows what he created us for. And you know what, ladies? If there was ever a time in history where people needed to be seen and needed um, to, to know that somebody was there for them, they were so needy for truth. They were so needy for salvation and hope. This was the time. In fact, Galatians, another book in the New Testament, tells us that when all of this took place, when Jesus came, God called it the fullness of time. Like It would be like saying, waiting for just the right time. See, God had been waiting to speak to his people for a very, very long time at this point. In their history for the Israelite nation, at this point, God had not spoken for over 400 years. He had chosen to be silent because his people had been so rebellious again and again and again and again that he finally let them have their own way. And what a mess their own way had caused. But now the time is right and Jesus has come. So this little phrase about him in verse one, and when he saw the multitudes, clarifies to us as we start into this sermon why he even shared it in the first place. And why is that? Because he saw the people. He really saw them. Way beyond what they looked like on the outside, he saw them all the way into the interior of their hearts. Every need they had, every longing, every hurt, every dream, every purpose and plan that he had created them for, every blessing he wanted to give them. He saw all that. Now, how could he keep up with that, all that? I don't know. He's God, and he's able to do that. But keep reading because we find out more in these first two verses. It says he went up. When he saw the multitudes, that he went up on the mountain. Now, we know he did that probably for some really practical reasons, right? You've got this big crowd of people, so you want to get up and get away from them a little bit so you can speak and, 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 and you could be heard. But there's some interesting things here to note. My husband went to Israel many years ago, and um, he went to the spot that they believe is right where Jesus delivered this sermon. And he told me, I remember he came home and he told me that one of the most amazing things in the whole trip is that in that spot, the natural acoustics were just incredible. Like somebody could be standing on top of the mountain talking and it would be like they were standing right next to you. They wouldn't even have to hardly project. And when you think about all the dynamics of that, Jesus created the world. So don't you know that when he was creating that mountain and the region there, that he created it because he knew there's going to be a moment in time when he hadn't spoken for 400 years and all these people are going to be gathered around and he's setting it all up to be ready for when he comes so he could just go up on the mountain and talk to them. And I just love that when you think about even that dynamic. But beyond that very practical thing of just getting up there to talk to the group, I think there's something really deeper here as well, something spiritually impacting. And that's that the things that Jesus is getting ready to share in this sermon are truths from heaven. And they are so far elevated above the things of this world. And the people in that crowd 
had never heard words from heaven because God had been silent for generations. So Jesus goes up on the mountain and with all the authority of heaven, he is ready to speak and give them this elevated word. And we know he was doing with authority because when it says that he sat down, it means more than he just sat down, okay? When he sat down, it indicated authority. When the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders would teach in the synagogue, when, when they were ready to teach, they took their place of authority as a teacher by sitting down. And so when Jesus sat down, I, I, I believe that's why that's included, this detail here. It's to say that he sat down, he was taking a place of authority. Even though nobody in that culture even knew him enough to give him a place of authority, he knew who he was. And he was going to take that authority and that place. But Jesus, um, when he spoke, what it would be here would not be a common teaching that the people had ever heard. No, it would be way beyond what the scribes and Pharisees would say. In fact, in the very last verse of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, and the result was that when all these people had heard these words, that they were amazed at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. See, they had been listening to words from heaven, words that were elevated far, far above this world, and it amazed the people. And that helps us to see why this last phrase in verse one is also so important. Okay, so let's take note of it too. What does it say there? It says, and his disciples came to him. They came to him. See, the ones who really wanted to hear what Jesus had to say actually went up on the mountain with him. And this would have been people just like you and me. Disciples, remember, that's not referring to the 12. They hadn't even been picked at this point yet. The multitude did not follow him up, but the disciples did. That would mean people who wanted to follow him, who wanted to hear from Jesus. And then verse 2 says this, And opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, now, can you just try to put yourself in that place in that moment? What would that have been like when Jesus, the God of heaven, who had not spoken for over 400 years, opens his mouth for the first time to really start talking to the people? They didn't know who Jesus was yet, right? They were just getting acquainted with him. But I have no doubt it was a very powerful moment because we do know, right? We know who he is. And we also know that the Bible says that every word that comes out of the mouth of God is powerful. And it pierces us and it changes us and it speaks to us. And so all of this, whatever that's been going on in Jesus' heart, it's just been pent up in his it's hard for centuries, and now he's going to open his mouth. It's almost like you can hear the rumble of the thunder right start from down deep as he's going to open his mouth and begin to speak. Ladies, Matthew 5 begins with these two verses, but I would say so does this weekend. This weekend begins with those verses because Jesus saw the multitudes, and I believe as we come here this weekend, before we ever even really get started, we need to know Jesus sees every one of us too. See, we're a big group in the room, right? There's a lot of women in the room. Some of us don't know each other at all. We're strangers to one another, but we're not strangers to Jesus. We need to know he's not just seeing us as the big FBG 22 group, right? He sees each one of us as individuals. That means he sees our hearts. He, he knows where we're full and he knows where we're empty. 
He knows where life is at its best for us, and he knows where we're broken and where we need to be healed and comforted. He knows the places where we're struggling to have hope. He knows the places where our hearts are pure and where they're not. He knows when we've said yes to his kingdom, and he also knows when we've said no to his kingdom. He sees us, and he's ready to respond, and he's ready to give us that elevated word from heaven, right? We just have to be willing to come and listen. See, Jesus might not be sitting on the mountain anymore, but this word, this sermon is still a word from heaven, spoken from a high place. And so we need to understand right from the very beginning what Jesus is going to speak to us this woman is speak to us this weekend is far, far above anything else we're going to hear right out in the world somewhere. So if you came wanting to hear Jesus speak to you this weekend, you're going to have to draw near. Right? You're going to have to come out of the multitude and be one of those people who, when he started going up, you're going up too. Right? It's like, I, this guy has something to say. I want to listen. You've got to be one of those people. And that means you're going to have to leave all that other stuff that you left behind to come here. Just leave it where it's at. It'll be there when you get back. Okay? Even if you don't want it to be. Right? But you get away from that stuff this weekend and be willing to come up and hear Jesus. And, and I want to tell you, I believe just you being here this weekend, like just doing the work and spending the money and all of that to get yourself in this house, in this seat, is actually the reality of you doing just that. I, I think you being here is, even if you didn't know you were saying this, you're saying, okay, Jesus, here I come. Yes, I'm right here. Here I am. I'm positioned in front of you. I'm listening. So I want to encourage you right from the beginning. Let that be your very first yes this weekend. Yes, Lord, here I am. I am ready to listen to you. There's a box at the bottom of your note sheet. You might have already noticed it. And you'll notice that there's going to be one of those same boxes at the bottom of every one of the note sheets. And it has a yes in it. And that box is a place for you to record your yeses. And you're going to find that, like I said, on each one of the note sheets. See, throughout the weekend, as the Lord is giving his word, I mean, I get the privilege of teaching it, but my prayer is that God is going to speak to you, right? This is, this is his word. I'm just the messenger of it. And so as he's giving you his word, as Jesus is speaking this sermon to you, there's going to be moments where parts of this word are just illumined by the Holy Spirit for you. There's going to be moments where you know the Holy Spirit is nudging you, hey, that needs your yes, right? And those are the moments where if you're willing to give your yes, you want to write it down in that box. Now, you might have way too many to go in that box. All you got to do is turn the paper over. It's not like, oh, that's all you get, Jesus, right? Because that's as big as the box is. No, you can turn that paper over. You can start writing up the side of the page. Whatever you need to do. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and calling for a yes, you write that yes down. And write it down with confidence and commitment. And I want to clarify by sharing two things. First, the Lord is going to emphasize different things from this sermon to all of us. So my yeses are not going to look exactly like your yeses, right? And yours are not going to look exactly like your roommates, all of that. Actually, as I've been studying and meditating on this sermon over probably the last seven, eight months, 
I've personally logged 177 yeses from this sermon that I need to give attention to. Now, that could take the rest of my life, really. But I say that to tell you, there's a lot of yeses in there, and there's probably more than just what I have even logged. The point is, as Jesus speaks to you personally from this word, will you say yes? And if you will, write it down in the box, okay? Second, I want to encourage your yeses to be responses to the sermon. Let me explain what I mean by that. I know the Lord's going to speak to you because when his word goes forth, it always speaks if we're listening. But, but let me say it like this. Have you ever talked to somebody, and it's not like you even talk to them because all you do is listen, like they do all the talking and they never stop to listen to you? Sometimes I think that's the way we are with Jesus. We just talk, 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 talk. We tell him all our stuff, and we never really stop to listen to what he has to say to us. And he might have a whole different conversation he wants to start, but we never give him a moment, right? This weekend, we want to give him the moment to speak and to talk about what he wants to talk about, and we want our yeses to be a response to his sermon. So I hope that makes sense. So all that to say, it all starts with this first yes, that yes of drawing near, of saying, here I am, Jesus, I'm listening. So I hope that will be your first one on your list. See, we might not have been there that day on the mountainside. In fact, it's not even that we might not have been. Let me know if you were there. I don't think any of us were there, right? But he's still speaking this word today. And I believe within that word, he has words for each one of us from this most amazing sermon straight from his mouth. And it's full of truth. Truth about the kingdom of God and what does it look like to live in that kingdom long before we ever get to heaven. See, after studying this sermon for months on end now, I am totally convinced that that's what this sermon is all about. It's about the kingdom of God. See, I believe that Jesus saw the people. He looked at all of them, and then he literally climbed up on that mountain to extend an invitation to a kingdom, his kingdom. An invitation he had been longing to extend for centuries upon centuries. See, even though he was alive on the earth in that moment, the reality is he's God. And he had been alive forever, right? He didn't even have a beginning, nor will he ever have an end. So his 33 years on the earth were a divine visitation, but Jesus has always been. And that lets us know, okay, that means that he was there in the Garden of Eden, right? When Adam and Eve said yes to the kingdom of this world and no to the kingdom of God. And ever since that moment, Jesus has been in heaven and he has been watching us down here on the earth, striving and straining in the kingdom of this world. And he's seen all the effects, right? All the effects of that choice. So now in this moment in Matthew 5, here he is. He's right in front of humanity. He's face to face looking at individuals who have the devastating effects of that sinful choice playing out in our lives. He sees the sickness. He sees the pain. He sees the shame, he sees the guilt, he sees the boredom, he sees the bondage, the addiction, the strife, the discontentment, the disappointments, all of it. We could call it the wreckage of sin and we could keep listing for a really long time, right? And he looks at the multitudes and every individual in those multitudes and he sees how this kingdom of this world has wrecked us and he is like, I believe he's like, I've got to tell them they do not have to live like this. 
They don't have to live like this anymore. It's time to show them a better way, a kingdom way. And he opens his mouth and he begins to teach them. And everything that comes out of his mouth and what we now know as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is literally pouring out an invitation saying, live like this instead. You do not have to live like that. There is a kingdom way. There's so much that he's going to say in this sermon about living in the kingdom. And, and I know you've copied that sermon. At least I hope you have. We finished that today or maybe you did it on a different schedule. doesn't really matter. But our goal was to get you in this word because there's so much. And you might have been like, there is a lot of stuff in here, right? How in the world are we going to ever talk about all of that in one weekend and I want you to know I hear you because when the Lord gave me this passage I'm like God there is a lot of stuff in there how are we going to ever talk about that in in just one weekend but God's so creative and as I've been meditating on this over the months he revealed a creative way for us to share these truths all right so I'm going to begin by telling you about that by asking you this question. Have you ever watched the TV show on the Food Network called Chopped? Anybody ever watch that show? Okay. So it's a fun, fun show. But if you haven't watched it, let me give you the basic gist. Okay. So basically on this show, chefs, chefs compete in cooking meals. They, they try to cook the best one. But the challenge in preparing the meals is that as they begin, they're given a box which contains a handful of food items, all right? And being masters at their crafts, they take what's in the box and then they have to combine it all together, whatever's there, to create this amazing meal. So this weekend, I want you to know, Jesus has one amazing meal for us after another from this sermon. See, to us, we look at all of this in the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, there's 110 verses, you know, because you copied all of them, right? And there's a lot of things to take in. I mean, we're reading it and we're hearing Jesus asking questions, making statements. He talks about salt. He talks about light. He talks about gates. He talks about eyes and sand and rocks and trees and birds. And he encourages sometimes. And then he like just levels you with correction. And, and then you've got the Beatitudes in there, right? And you've got that seeky first verse that's really important. And you've got the speck and you've got the log and you've got the false prophets and the true and the lord's prayer is even in there did you know i mean it's there there's just so much and we could be like oh my goodness how in the world can we take all that in but you know what the lord's got a plan for us to eat really well spiritually this weekend so each time we gather in these teaching moments and worship moments there's going to be a box that's going to come into the room just like that so nicole brought the box this time thank you and the box is going to have certain ingredients from this sermon okay parts of the sermon that the lord in his masterful chef way is going to mix together to feed us and call us toward yeses and I want you to know there's some ingredients that are going to show up over and over, kind of like chicken does at your house. Like, what are we going to do with the chicken this night? You know? They're going to show up over and over because they are the images that the Lord uses, right, in this sermon to really drive home what he's talking about in all the other parts. They, they pull it all together, and they're powerful images. So tonight, in this first session, we're just going to glance at these images. So the very first one in the box is salt, okay? You might remember that in chapter 5, verse 13, he told them, he said, you are the salt of the earth. 
You're the salt of the earth. And there's so much to be learned from that statement that Jesus makes. There's another really powerful one that comes right after that. And it's light. He says, you are the light of the world. And this theme runs throughout the whole sermon. So that's going to be another thing that's going to be, we're going to hear from that a lot this weekend. There's also, I love this one. This one is the eye. And do I have that right? No, her eyebrows. That's about like my eyebrows. My eyebrows are horrible. <laughs> do you have to paint your eyebrows on? Anybody else have to do that? Yeah, me too. All right. So anyway, but there is the eye. And Jesus says this amazing little section in chapter six where he says the lamp of the body is the eye. There's so much to be learned from that. There's also this one. This one we're going to talk about so much this weekend. And it is the gate. He talks in chapter 7 about choosing the narrow gate, not the wide gate. He, and he very clearly communicates the differences between the two. And then probably one of the most familiar images from this sermon is the rock, where he tells us to build our house on the rock, not on the sand. See, God's going to use salt and he's going to use light this weekend to show us who kingdom people are. He's going to use the eye to show us how kingdom people see. He's going to use the gate to show us how kingdom people choose. And God is going to use the rock to show us where kingdom people build. These images are going to be the main ingredients that we're going to see again and again because Jesus is going to use them to bring the flavor and the richness to all that he wants to share with us. So keep your eye out for those images because you're going to see them again and again, but there's going to be more. And remember, my prayer for all of us as we feast on this word this weekend is that that yes is just going to start to rumble deep from within us and rise up. And just be said over and over again, a yes to the things of the kingdom of God. And it's going to be really, really rich as Jesus himself speaks these words to our hearts. So to set us up for all of that, let me conclude with um, this very important definition. All right. So we already said you don't have to read long in this sermon. In fact, verse number three, you get to it where Jesus is talking about his kingdom a lot. The whole sermon is really all about the kingdom of God. Sometimes Jesus calls it the kingdom of heaven. These are really synonymous as he speaks. But what is that? Like, what is the kingdom? You know, we could literally spend a whole weekend talking about what the kingdom is and not cover everything because the Bible talks about the kingdom of God so much. And so I really sought the Lord of how to define that here this weekend. There's a simple definition of the kingdom found in Romans 17 that I love. In fact, it's listed right at the top right-hand corner of your note page. And Paul says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. See, we hear the word kingdom, and if we're big movie watchers, like, and we watch things about kingdoms and stuff like that, we start thinking about castles and thrones and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But when Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God, he was more talking about a way of living, a way of living, a posture of heart that manifests itself in a relationship between the king and the people in his kingdom. It's in a relationship here for God's kingdom that's built on righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness describes the foundation of the kingdom 
of God. The ruler is righteous and his people live in righteousness. Peace defines the atmosphere in the kingdom. In fact, the Bible talks about a river of peace running through the kingdom of God. And we know that Jesus, who is the ruler in his kingdom, is the prince of peace, right? And he desires for his people in the kingdom to live in peace with him and with one another. And then there's joy. Joy defines the tone of the kingdom. And it's a joy that wells up inside of us when we come to know Christ and it never stops flowing. Now, righteousness, peace, and joy, I don't want you to misunderstand. They're not going to tell you everything about the kingdom, right? There's a whole lot more that we could say. But pretty much anything that you could say about the kingdom is going to be built on those things. So we're going to use that definition throughout the weekend. So just set it up as a backdrop for yourself. So I know that's a lot just to get started, right? There's a lot of things to get us started. And I hope that you are each one, myself included, ready to eat rich spiritual food this weekend. I know I am, and I know God has good, good 